The Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. As always, appreciate you tuning in, whether this is your first time or you are a regular listener. On this episode, we're going to Hit up mostly. It's it's all football. It's all football related. I'm going to touch on the Washington Commanders, uh, saying you know apparently some players having issues with Eric Bieniemy being too hard on them. There was a coaching ranking list on CBSSports.com. I want to touch on, but we lead off the podcast talking some Packers football. Uh, I want to talk about the rookies here and the Packers. They're 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 getting ready for their first preseason game coming up here. And starting to feel it this morning, you know, walking outside at like 3.30 in the morning and a little cooler, kind of feeling it's August. It's like, all right. First thing that actually popped in my head is like, ooh, this is like an early morning bow hunt sitting in the tree stand, a little, little chill there. But then it's like, it's also a little football type of weather now too. So now we're getting actually close to some preseason action coming up here. It's like, Yes. All right. Let's let's. Uh, I want to chat some football right away here to get everybody's juices flowing and blood flowing here this morning. So Packers yesterday arriving in Cincinnati to get uh, ready for their joint practice today against the Bengals. Uh, then they got their first preseason game coming up Friday. Coming up on Friday. So the question that uh, I threw out there that. Uh, I'd like to ask all of you, because it was a question I was getting uh, quite a bit uh, this this past Friday, but um, who do you think is the Packers rookie that will have the most immediate impact this year for for the green and gold? Which, which Packers rookie do you think will have the most immediate impact for, for the Packers this year. Lucas Van Ness, first-round pick. One of those tight ends, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft. Anybody else on there? What do you got? Hit me up with those texts. Texts at uh, the Shoe Doctors bullpen line, 715-830-1912, or on uh, Twitter at, uh, at D-A-N-K-A-S-P-E-R. Uh, I'll tell you my answer, and I know I might be a little bit in the minority, and maybe I'm just a little too bullish on him, but considering everything we've seen at practice so far and what he brings to the table, I feel like the majority of people are probably going to pick a tight end. Um, You know, for me, and and I think if, you know, and I know I mentioned in the first half if I was doing a little futures bet out there, I'd, I'd, I'd probably pick one of those tight ends. It'd probably be Luke Musgrave. You know, the one thing I do have a concern with Luke Musgrave is can he stay healthy? Can he play a majority part of the season? That was kind of an issue with him in in college there at uh, Oregon State. So, I mean, but if I'm picking a futures bet, I'm probably picking one of those tight ends. But as history has shown, you know, rookie tight ends, it takes a little bit to acclimate. I mean, George Kittle wasn't George Kittle his rookie year. Travis Kelsey wasn't Travis Kelsey, you know, his rookie year either. And those guys I know were, were, were like, what, second, third-round picks too. But the guy that I think, and again, maybe I'm just a little bullish on him, 
but I think he can affect this team in, in multiple spots. I'm going Jaden Reed. I'm going Jaden Reed, the kid from Michigan State, second-round pick, wide receiver. He's a utility wide receiver. Um, he, I don't know how much time he's going to be, you know, how many opportunities they're going to give him in, in the return game with Nixon there, but he's a guy that has experience in the return game. Maybe it could be something where Jaden Reed's coming, you know, the punt returner, the Nixon's the kick returner. But, you know, everybody kind of assumes that oh, typical slot receiver, you know, Jaden Reed looking at his size, you know, he's 5'11", about a buck ninety. Yeah, that's that's, you know, slot receiver size. But you look at his film and you look at his tape when he was at uh, Michigan State, dude was lined up outside quite a bit, going up against those Ohio State corners, those physical Ohio State corners. So, I mean, he's got a lot of experience lining up on the outside. But where I think he can make this immediate impact is just because of his, you know, the the ability that Matt LaFleur, and that, that's going to be the key with, with this offensive system is how – they utilize him because I think you can utilize him in a bunch of different ways. He was a finalist for the Paul Horning Award in college, which is uh, the award for the nation's most versatile player. You can have him with those jet sweeps. I, I envision Jaden Reed. Now, this is just me and, you know, if I ever play Madden or whatever, coming up with my own playbook. But I envision Jaden Reed. You know, you can line him up in the slot. You could put him in motion. You could put him with those jet sweeps you can line them up on the outside you can line them up in the backfield running you know pass patterns out of the backfield or lining them up in the backfield then you put them in motion to create a mismatch against the linebacker i i I feel like Jaden reed if if they utilize his his ability to be you know multifaceted where he can he can do a bunch of different things within the offense i think Jaden reed has the potential has the potential to affect this team, has the, have the biggest impact of all the rookies on this team. Is he the third receiver? Is he the fourth receiver? I think that's kind of a mute point at this at this point in time. We know the top two is Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. After that, you look at all the offenses in the NFL, three, four deep. A lot of times, I mean, is Green Bay going to be running a lot of 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 23 personnel? It's. I like the versatility and I like the the options and the depth that they have at certain position groups in here. I don't think they're going to just pigeonhole themselves in in certain you know personnel formations. You know what I mean? They they got options. You know they could run some twenty twenty two personnel. 23 personnel. Anybody doesn't know two, you know, the two, the first number in there is the running backs, the number of running backs, and then it's tight ends after that. So 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, 22 personnel. I mean, they could do a bunch of different things if they wanted. They they could do a bunch of different. They could do 11, 11 personnel and get, you know, one running back, one tight end, three receivers out there too. What Sean McVay liked to do a lot with with the Rams earlier in his career as as head coach over there. But I think right now I'm I'm excited to see Reed. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. When he was first selected in, in a draft, I'm like, okay. You know, more more receiver depth. You know, kind of that that typical slot 
guy kind of filling in the void of Randall Cobb, even though Randall Cobb, you know, wasn't Randall Cobb earlier in his career. But the more we've kind of seen and, and practice, and the more we've been hearing and and kind of you know seeing how they've utilized him, and then thinking about envisioning how this offense could work here, I think Jaden Reed's a guy that that can affect or positively impact this offense earlier on. Now, futures bet, like I said, if I if I was going to go with a futures pick, yeah, I'm probably picking one of those tight ends. I'm probably picking, I mean, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, I mean, they're not going to, you know, sit behind anybody and kind of work their way in and just gain some experience here or there. They're going to play. They're, they're going to play. They're going to get out there and, and they're going to play. And I think they have the potential. I mean, really, I think they have a lot of potential to be impact players right away this year, especially with Jordan Love at, at tight end, or at, excuse me, it's Jordan Love at quarterback, maybe a little safety net to, to the tight ends and such. I think, you know, Jordan Love's probably, could be completely off, but probably going to go to the guys he's maybe a little bit more comfortable with uh, at the beginning. We know that's Romeo Dobbs. You know, obviously, he's spent a lot of time with, with Christian Watson, too. Uh, from from last year and working out uh, this offseason, but we also know opposing defenses, they're going to key in on those two guys, going to rely heavily on the running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. It's going to create opportunities for these youngsters like Musgrave, like Tucker Craft, like Jaden uh, Reed. There's going to be opportunities for these youngsters. The only thing is, can they take advantage of it? And how much trust is Jordan going to have with those young receivers how much trust is the coaching staff going to have with those youngsters? That's what it's going to boil down to. And you want to know how they can build that trust? Make the plays. If you are given the opportunity, Musgrave, Kraft, Reed, if you're given that opportunity to be on that field and to make some plays, take advantage of it. Build that trust with your quarterback. I just I, I I keep looking at Reed and I keep seeing his stuff and I I feel like this is he brings an element to this offense that we really haven't seen in a long time. You know, I I remember during the the Mike McCarthy days. Remember, you know, it wasn't necessarily might have been uh, it was towards the end there the last couple of years, but. Remember when we saw like Randall Cobb lining up in the backfield a little bit? I think we even saw Devontae Adams lining up in the backfield. And, you know, Devontae was, it was mostly, you know, trying to create those mismatches, lining up Devontae because then you're kind of forcing a linebacker most of the time to, to try to cover Devontae. Then you kind of motion him out. Sometimes they would hand the ball off to, to Randall Cobb in the backfield. I, I kind of envisioned that with Reed, but I think you can. You know, there's so many different things you can do, and and the fact that he's got a lot of experience playing on the outside too, and he's not deterred by physical corners. He's highly competitive against those guys, and he's got some good ball skills to for those deep throws. I think if I had to pick a rookie, that one I'm most intrigued, most excited to see, and I think could have one of the biggest impacts on the team this year. I keep going back to Reed. You know, Van Ness, I think it's just going to be, you know, and I know a lot of people like first-round picks should have the biggest impacts. they got to be on the field right away. You know, in, in Van Ness's situation, 
you know, he's going to be a part of the rotation. I think he's, you know, we know Joe Barry, that Packers defense. They like to rotate guys in a lot. I honestly feel like Van Ness might get more playing opportunity than what Rashawn Gary did his rookie year. I, I kind of feel that way. Um, we'll, we'll see if that actually happens. But, you know, in a typical, if we want to call it typical base defense, and I know nickel is the majority of the defense that Green Bay runs, those three corners, nickel defense, three corners. You know, you're going to get Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith out there the majority of the time. But I think, you know, and we've seen the last couple of years, they rotate in guys quite a bit. I think Van Ness is going to be in that next group. And, knock on wood, that there's no significant injuries to either Rashawn or, or Preston. You know, Van Ness is going to be probably that third edge rusher on, on the depth chart. I know the depth chart, everybody was geeking out yesterday with their favorite teams and, and depth charts being released and, and that sort of thing. But it's like, okay, just depth chart's fine, but doesn't really tell you the, the whole story. You know, out there. Doesn't really, isn't all on the up and up a lot of times out there. So, and I know some people, I was looking at, uh, you know, social media kind of freaking out a bit. And it's like, Luke Musgrave's a number one tight end and Tyler Davis is number two. It's not Tucker Kraft, it's Tyler Davis. Well, I got Tyler Davis, you know, from from the people who've been watching it uh, every day. Apparently been having a nice camp. I know you made a nice play at uh, Family Night, so maybe maybe Tyler Davis can be more an offensive threat instead of just straight-up special teams. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Josiah DeGuara listed at fullback, if anybody was kind of wondering that, too. He's officially listed as a fullback on the on the depth chart, the first unofficial depth chart of the uh, of the season. It seems like these days, things are getting a bit more expensive. And maybe when it comes to shopping for you and your family, you're operating under a budget. Well, here's a tip that will instantly help you stay in your budget when it comes to your shopping, plus some added benefits. Shop at Hy-Vee. It's that simple. Their sales are incredible. They have a wide variety of top-notch quality items to choose from, all while you're helping save some money at the gas pump with their fuel savers programs. You shouldn't have to sacrifice quality when it comes to shopping. And by shopping at Hy-Vee, you don't have to. Go visit Hy-Vee in Oakland. Claire for all of your shopping needs. With all the running around you've been doing so far to Little League games and quick weekend road trips, are you starting to realize it's time to get a new vehicle? Where do you start, though, since buying a new vehicle is a very big decision in your life? Well, take some of the stress off and make your decision easy by visiting Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls. Family-owned and operated, you can trust Toys and Ford when it comes to finding that new vehicle for you that fits in your budget but also gets you to where you need to go. Having a proper vehicle to get you to those Little League games and family get-togethers is important, and Toys and Ford knows that just visit toys and ford today so a couple things i i think are just kind of like you know soapbox ish there did you see the headline coming out of speaking of washington what's going on with the commanders right now everybody should be excited new owner right i mean fans are actually cheering up to training camp yay you know good times except players are complaining they're being coached too hard by eric Bieniemy right now <laughs> what's i mean so here's a couple <laughs> things with this thing one shut up uh, you got, you know, Eric Bieniemy's coming. I, you know, I get it. You know, there's there's the examples of like, uh, you know, Matt Patricia, you know, came in tried to do the Patriot way and it didn't work, right? It it, it didn't work, and, and over there, and I don't know the the inner workings on there too, but I mean, first of all, I kind of fault Ron Rivera because Ron Rivera is the one who said it. 
you know, you kind of floated out there in the media. Stop! Why are we? Why is that getting floated out there? You're you're almost kind of like inadvertently throwing him under the bus, aren't you? Yeah. So it's just like, what? I mean, you guys should all positive. It should be good. You should be happy. And then it's like, oh boy, now you're getting coached too hard. Come on, guys. This really? is why Eric Bieniemy can't get a job. Yeah. That's the that's going to be the take, and it's it's going to get more attention because of that. Because the does this explain it? Or maybe players just aren't happy being coached hard. Yeah, I, I don't know, but it's just well, what. Like I saw some of the quotes, and I granted I did skim it, but as I was reading the just the like the half a second, I saw a little bit. Of, I'm like. Yeah, nothing really jumped out at me. That went. What is he doing? Yeah, Ron Rivera said that uh, they were a little concerned. I've said just go talk to him. Understand what he's trying to get across from you. I think as they go and talk and listen to him, it's been enlightening for a lot of these guys. It's a whole different approach. You're getting a different kind of player from the players back in the past, especially in light of how things are coming out of college football. A lot of these young guys, they do struggle with certain things. You also have to go look at where they've been. Guys coming in from certain programs are used to it. Guys are coming. Other programs, not as much. So, I don't know. It's just like, I don't, there seems to be, a, you know, Eric Bianami then said, I'm always going to be up front and I'm always going to be honest. Just like I stated when I first got here, we all got to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. There's some new demands and expectations that I expect. How much of it, though, is Ron Rivera, he does have a tendency to do the following, to kind of be a little extra open bookish, maybe a bit to to the detriment of either himself or the topic mm-hmm. being discussed. Like, he didn't necessarily... I, I kind of want to give him a bit of the benefit of the doubt. There are other coaches that would bring this up and I go, wait, why are you doing this? Rivera does seem to be a bit more... So you know what's going on? Gosh, the enemy's acting this way, not realizing that that is catnip for the whole... Right. That's true. Yeah, the yeah. enemy thing. But... I'm not going to give him full benefit of the doubt because I would like to think that he would have thought that through to start with. Because yeah, now ev- anything that goes wrong with that team will offensively is going to be blamed on Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. and also will guarantee that he doesn't get hired. Right. We yep. were we wondered about that when he went over there, like mm, parallel move. Some people liked it, some people didn't. The people that didn't like it are, are for these exact reasons. That if if it goes south, the offense doesn't get hotter than they were last year. Then he's done. Then, oh, well, of course, you had all your success in Kansas City because of Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it on your own. And then Andy Reid and all that. Exactly. Yep. And then it's done. Yep. No, yeah. Well, let's see what actually happens in the games, but this isn't this isn't a good start. Uh, this other one, so it's it's an opinion piece, but uh, I've got a I got a I don't know why I get riled up on this stuff here. So it's from CBS Sports, Brian uh, Diardo, mm-hmm. thirteen current NFL coaches with a shot at the Hall of Fame, ranked by tiers with four absolute locks, okay? Two are pretty easy to the locks. Belichick and Andy Reid, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Just start molding the bust right now for those two. Yes. Mike Tomlin, I, 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 I'd buy that. I mean, what? He's got a couple of rings already, so I'd, yep. I'd buy that Constantly one. Constantly successful. The mm-hmm. Steelers had never... I can't remember what the worst record is against Wikipedia, but it's never they're, they're never bad. I don't think he's ever had a losing season, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't think I I don't think he's ever had a losing maybe eight nine, but it wasn't because he took over in two thousand. Wait, I got the list right here. He took over in two thousand seven, and the worst record they have had since then is eight and eight. Eight and eight. Okay, so yeah, he's never had a losing record. Mm-hmm. So I I wouldn't argue with that one either. 
Uh, the other lock on here I would have a little debate about considering the guys who are not in the Hall of Fame right now, but yet this is a lock. Pete Carroll. I would not consider Pete Carroll a lock to get in there. And, you know, they, they bring up the points like, you know, his work in Seattle may be enough to convince future voters to look past his lack of success during his previous coaching stints. Remember that part, okay? Remember that part. So he's got Pete Carroll's a lot. Um, the next tier could make it, but more likely still needs to be done. John Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and already Sean McVay. Mm. Yeah. That's fast. Uh, hey, well, remember the Sean McVay coaching tree. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Uh, the nice career, but currently short. Mike McCarthy. And this is where I'm going to go. Mike McCarthy had a good run in Green Bay. Um, but the way things ended in Green Bay and his lack of playoff success in Dallas has left his future Hall of Fame candidacy in question. So while the writer is willing to say, you know, Pete Carroll, you can kind of forget his New England tenure based off Seattle. It's kind of the opposite, it sounds like, for Mike McCarthy a little bit. Recency effect, sounds mm-hmm. like, a little bit there. Being in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did say, but like Peyton, you could all but start making McCarthy's bust if he is able to win a second Super Bowl with a second franchise. At so, least he's not saying Peyton is clearly better. But wouldn't you put him in the same tier as Peyton? You probably should. I mean, I... Let me ask you this. Who's got the better chance to win a uh, second Super Bowl with a different team? Peyton or McCarthy? Right now, I'd say McCarthy. Mm-hmm. I'd I don't agree know what's going to happen in Denver. I like. I think they'll be better, but there, there's a scenario I could see that going really sideways, especially um, with some of the stuff Peyton's doing right now. It's yeah, like, it's I get not, it. It's like it's from Bill Parcells' school, but it's also 2023. Right, players I, react I, differently. It's true, but I think they will hold on because Peyton. Again, the Saints didn't out and out suck under Peyton. Mm-hmm. Packers did have some really, you know, they had they had some not good years under under McCarthy. Though there's also some pretty big injuries that were involved with that too, um, and that was also towards the end. The Cowboys have been competitive since McCarthy got there. Uh, I like. Do you know someone of? Any media contact you've ever come across, this could include Peter King, um, who could try to make the ultimate determination between why Sean Payton gets credit and Mike McCarthy doesn't, despite comparable records. This is the latest example of of McCarthy being slotted lower than Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm zeroing back in on that. I know is the Pete Carroll thing, but but it's Payton and McCarthy are tied. Mm-hmm. And here's the, another example of Peyton coming out seemingly on top when those two are compared against each other. Right. I I, I don't know of anybody off the top of my head, to be right. honest with like, you. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure this... Is this, it, you know, and I'm not trying to downplay it, but is it, you know, Sean Peyton, when he got there, we all know about Katrina, you know, the timing of everything. Mm-hmm. Resurrecting, essentially, New Orleans, right? Yeah. Does that benefit it a little bit more? I don't know. I just, you know, 
the media narrative of of Sean Payton is that is that a thing? I think that helps to a certain degree. Um, it's a little surprising though, too, because Payton was suspended for a year. But I think the public opinion was more on the Payton side of that that he shouldn't have been suspended for a whole year because it was a Roger Goodell thing, right? You know, yeah, and that, that, that the problem... I know some Vikings fans. I don't know if you're like Brandon, but they absolutely don't like Sean Payton. So. I don't mind him. I think I I think it was more internal below Payton that that the punishment really resided. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I keep forgetting about the Peyton. Um, and no offense to, like, Packers fans, I don't, I think you need the opinion of somebody from the outside. You know yeah. what I mean? Of course. Of, like, Peyton or McCarthy. You, you need, like, that's why I'm asking you. Because you're not a Packers fan. I'm not, but I've also been exposed to so much McCarthy. That's true. Yep. Versus Peyton. I think maybe the difference is late game play calling. Now, that's mm-hmm. that seems a little more niche compared to some overarching coaching philosophy. But Sean Payton never really seemed to screw up games at the end. Well, except for uh, Miracle at the... Well, yeah, but that's also because... Who, who was the player? Was it... Malcolm, I'm, it was Williams, I think. Yeah, who, who, but I, don't taunt the crowd before the clock's over, Peyton. Just say, yeah. You know. He didn't have a good look in that game. No, I, I think he would rather of, of Sean Payton career regrets, and this includes overseeing a Saints team that had the whole bounty gate, whatever his actual culpability was in that. I think that game because I do remember seeing that. I think he'd most regret the actions in that one because it did set up pretty poorly for that. But they also almost won the game. I mean, it did take a miracle. It did take a Saint being out of position and Diggs having incredible balance to stay on. There's a yeah. lot that had to go right in that one play. I, would, it, would, it, would it be accurate? Let's say they still lost the game, but they lost it way earlier. They just they just got outbeat. That 14 NFC Championship game. That, say you know, yes. Green Bay never had to lead. Say they still lost it. Does that narrative change? Because I feel like when you're going late late game stuff, if it didn't work out that way, does the narrative change a little bit? Yes, because there's not as much of a focus. It's why we always go that the decision in the at the end of any game, any sport, gets an inordinate amount of attention because you can draw a line from that to result because there's not that much that happens in between. And we never calculate how something that happens mid part of the first quarter or the second inning or the first period or whatever could also have that much of a difference because of the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. Something doesn't happen and then it's a little change and that's just enough that changes a very tight outcome. But McCarthy has had more instances of odd calls towards well, towards the end, but even I'd say some game calls. I mean, the conservative offense in that 2014 NFC Championship game. That was a point of concern. Now, they were also the road team. If they just straight up lost on the road in Seattle, okay, th- that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. That's where I, your With point... With an injured Aaron Rodgers who can't run and all that stuff. Right, stuff know? like that. Okay, then then I think if that doesn't happen, but there have to be a few other instances where McCarthy had some questionable decisions, not as acute as in that game. Peyton, I don't recall much. Now, the, is this the whole media thing again? That, mm-hmm. that this is not talk about it because he's Sean Peyton. He's fun. Um, I'm speaking as media guy here. Or is it that he just hasn't screwed up those situations? If the, if the Saints lost, it's because of a bad defense. It's because they got outplayed for other assorted reasons. I also think even though the the quarterback comparison doesn't quite 
work because you've got Breeze versus Favre slash Rogers. Those are that's that is kind of almost sort of a wash, given mm-hmm. their yep. points in their careers. But the whole Favre Rogers thing has been so not not the just two thousand eight, but all things Favre, all things Rogers, and their success and their talent. I think that way overshadowed McCarthy more so than Breeze and Peyton. And I think Breeze It was and- almost like Breeze and Peyton were together. Yes. Whereas Rogers and McCarthy, they tried to divide it so much. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, it's more Rogers and McCarthy, whereas Breeze and Peyton no, it's it's a it's a team right there. Agreed. Over there. And for whatever reasons out there that were floated. I mean, some were at the fault of quarterback twelve, now number eight, you know, with his cryptic stuff all the time. But mm-hmm. You know, but that's the sense you always got is like, oh, Peyton and Breeze are attached at the hip, right? And you never really got that sense throughout their entire career. Obviously, with Rodgers and McCarthy, no, which was kind of weird because I mean, you'd think it would have been, you know, the way things started off with, but it just never was. It never felt like those two had that relationship like Peyton and Breeze did. Right. That I think contributes to it. Also, Drew Breeze. One of the consummate, likable mm-hmm. uh, sports media figures of the past two decades, um, Favre. At least he was, um, but there was also too little bit of time. And then uh, Aaron Rodgers has never been, I'd say, likable. He's he was probably more just hmm, for a while. Used then, to it seemed yeah. like he, you know, the first few years, and then I feel like people felt like he changed too. Yeah, then so. it just became like, okay, I'm not sure what to think. He doesn't like dairy, but he's producing, and then mm-hmm. da, 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 and well, and then we all know what happened the past few years. But that's also post McCarthy. But he was never viewed as the just like this awesome person. Not to say that it's actually the case. This is the perception as a very good person, helping a whole lot of other people, super personable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That. You that kind of washes a little bit on a Sean Payton as well. I, I wonder what would have happened if you switched Payton and McCarthy, and would McCarthy be viewed higher in a in a higher echelon, being in New Orleans and Payton lower because maybe Payton wouldn't be getting as long or as along as well with Aaron Rodgers and at the end of his career Brett Favre. Yeah, I don't know, but I could. Well, see we know that. Rodgers doesn't like Payton now, so. <laughs> Gosh, um, yeah, that's. How big of a deal do you think that I'm side noting this, but how big of a deal is that um, Broncos Jets game really going to be? I think they're going to pipe it up, but uh, there won't be anything that happens in that game. At least what we see, you know, they're going to shake hands. And it'll be gonna... probably be very quick. Like, did they actually shake or did they just slap uh, hands? You know, like the very the super quick handshake. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. probably. And honestly, I mean, if you remember, like I know we're we're talking about like maybe Hack and Peyton. I think Hackett's in the booth anyway, so because that's what he was for Green Bay. Right, that's a nod. So you're not going to see those two. I mean, you're going to see, you know, like obviously Sala and Peyton, but and then Rodgers and Peyton and that. But mm-hmm. I feel like it might Rodgers. And I mean, that's the other thing, though. Too, I don't think Rodgers and Russell Wilson are you know the best of. They always had those awkward exchanges too, and <laughs> I know Rodgers kind of you know the uh, what do you call it subtweeting Russell Wilson. Yes, talked in back in the day. So. Yes. There's gonna just I think there's gonna be those awkward hugs and handshakes. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. No one's going to pull a Tim and a Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, that actually would be funny if they actually did like bring up the Dukes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they did in that fight. That was that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like really ready to ready to box. Um, 
Yeah, if this is the, go back to the very original point of this whole thing. Yeah, it's the latest example of McCarthy not getting as much credit, but he also has made some choices in his coaching that has not helped his mm-hmm. reputation. He's mm-hmm. made not great coaching decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not terrible, but not, sorry, he's a great coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. As he said. As, uh, to, quote, to quote Mike McCarthy. No, no, highly successful. Oh, highly successful, right, yeah, to quote Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is a highly successful coach. Well, I mean, well, I mean numbers say it, right? Well, and highly is a, uh, is a relative term. Mm-hmm. Highly compared to what? Would you agree, though, if he wins a Super Bowl, he's in Canton? I've, I've, Especially if it's a Green Bay and a Cowboys Super Bowl championship? Yeah, that's got to be it. I mean, I'm part of, I was hesitating a little bit, but if it's a Cowboys championship, first Cowboys Titles, yeah. You think the, you think the twins have a bad run? Mm-hmm. Try being the Cowboys. <laughs> hey, at least they've won a playoff. They've game. won a playoff <laughs> game, but shouldn't they have won like every Super Bowl since nineteen ninety five? Think so. <laughs> Based on at least the amount of publicity. I that mean, their general managers in the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, where's. The owner should fire that general manager. Yeah, get on it, Jerry. Come on, make a de- decision. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. Awkward. Yeah. Awkward. So, oh, but okay. no. I here's the thing. I don't hate McCarthy. I I feel like he gets a bad rap quite a bit. I I do. I you know it probably better than anybody. I always like had his back during those. It was time for a change, but I always I always appreciated Mike, mm-hmm. Big Mike. So. And I always thought, he, yeah, I mean, you feel like he fit Green Bay, too. You talk about the personality. Who fits Green Bay better, Rodgers or McCarthy? <laughs> Easily McCarthy. Right. So Easily. As much he's... as McCarthy got the the, the, the flack, my, my go-to line of, what is he, the bouncing jello over in the corner, and it's, everything is Airplane 2 reference, by the way, and everything is Aaron Rodgers' success when the team was good, and then if it was bad it was all on McCarthy that that was the perspective of a lot of Packer fans mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't they weren't too keen on Rodgers as a person they didn't dislike him this again was in that I, I call it the dairy era I mentioned it before already a few minutes ago but that's probably the biggest example of huh what's he doing but it wasn't to the point of disliking him it just seemed well this guy's kind of unconventional mm-hmm. um but yet, McCarthy- and I think he also came into with not a lot of fanfare, right? You know, he was hired as you know coming over from San Francisco as the offensive coordinator when they were poo poo, and Sean Payton was the next coming of Bill Parcells. Mm-hmm. You know, so he didn't really come in with a whole lot of fanfare. You're like who and why? Yeah, he led an offense that didn't do that well, like the season before. I remember seeing that, like, oh, really, guys? You're hiring him? Mm-hmm. Okay, good luck. Well, and then it turned out to go pretty well, but. It didn't start off that well. No. That's that was also Alex Smith rookie year and, you know, all that stuff. All of that, yes. But that all didn't help. So, yeah. I probably agree. helped. What what helped was his resume with the Saints, ironically, as offensive coordinator and former Packers backup quarterback Aaron Brooks. That's true. Leading the charge there. Tend to forget that, but that is part of it. Well, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. And until next time, I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. 
couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment. Just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.